0: to get into some of the behaviors and activities that we are involved in every day that may be increasing our risk of various types of cancer, including breast cancer. And this, ladies and gentlemen, applies to you no matter what your gender is.
1: Absolutely.
0: Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella for a very special episode today on a subject that is very, very important and near and dear to many of your hearts. I am speaking today with Dr. Vernique Desonnier, and she has very kindly offered to allow me to call her Dr. V. Hi, Dr. V. How are you? Hi, Ella.
1: Great. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Yeah, what a beautiful name. So beautiful that I don't want to butcher it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. A lot of people have done worse. How'd I do? How'd I do? You did great. You okay. did great.
0: <laughs> Dr. V, we're having you on the show today to talk about a very very specific topic, and that is one centered around your own journey. Could you go ahead and introduce my listeners to you, maybe first by talking about what you do today, and then we'll talk about what led you here
1: well what i do today is i coach women that want to prevent or heal breast cancer naturally and so far i've coached women in 18 countries never in my wildest dreams did i ever think i'd be doing something like this but i'm very very grateful to be able to share my story with women that are really searching for information and searching for guidance and direction when i went through my healing journey i'm a, I'm a chiropractor by profession I've been in practice for 25 years and my practice was a wellness holistic type practice i was literally attracting people from all over north america because of the specialized work that i was doing i specialized in bioenergetics and homeopathy naturopathy and and was seeing amazing things in my patients you know issues that were turning around reversing themselves things like cancer and lupus and autoimmune diseases and ms and it wasn't me doing these things but they were just following specific protocols and they were doing all the work and we know that the body has a marvelous capacity to heal itself and you know they got they got better and so one morning i'm headed to work and i jump in the shower and do the typical breast self-exam and lo and behold i felt this lump in my left breast and i knew right there and then it was just that gut-wrenching feeling you know my stomach Tightened and I felt hot and I just I just knew I just knew that it was not a, a healthy lump or benign cyst. Uh, long story short, I obviously was going to follow my own advice and I was going to follow certain protocols and I, I had no intention of doing anything traditional so everything I did was uh, completely non-toxic and two years later I was cancer free. Now, as I was going through that journey, there was a a big gnawing question at the back of my mind and and in my heart was, how could somebody like me develop breast cancer? I had done everything right, so I thought. I mean, I ate organic before organic was in style. I was under chiropractic care, massage, exercise, took herbs, vitamins, supplements, had home birth, breastfed my kids. I mean, I, I did it all. And yet I developed breast cancer. So I started asking myself questions. What was I missing that allowed cancer to develop in my body?
0: Well, there are, there are a lot of misconceptions about breast cancer and what causes breast cancer, and I'd like to get into those with you today as well as talk about some of the preventative things that you suggest. But Dr. V, before we do that, I wanna address an elephant in the room. My show is not just for women, it's for women and men. Can you tell me why any man should listen past this point?
1: Many reasons. A, you all know a female that you probably care about. B, what we're going to talk about is not just for female breast cancer. And C, what we're going to discuss is not just about breast cancer, but it's about affecting your life and your health and really learning to become responsible for your health and creating that vibrant health that we're all looking for.
0: I think that's really important because while a couple of things that we'll touch on obviously relate to breast health and they relate to women, most of what we'll jump into today really relates to disease and disease prevention. Isn't that true?
1: Correct, correct, absolutely.
0: Okay, so let's jump in though and first talk about some of the myths that keep women in fear about breast cancer and some of the things that are floating out there, Dr. V, that maybe you dealt with too.
1: Okay, well, there's there's several of them and I I guess, I guess one of my favorite ones is that your hormones cause cancer. We know that many women are diagnosed and they have biopsies and they're labeled estrogen or progesterone positive. Um, and doctors have instilled this fear in them that their cancer is being driven by their hormones. However, if our hormones cause cancer, every 20-year-old on this planet would have cancer. So, what we have to look at are two factors. Number one, w- what are you being exposed to that we call chemical estrogens or xenoestrogens that may be driving those estrogen levels up in your body. So. Th- Think of pesticides and herbicides, those can stimulate estrogen. Those are known as as xenoestrogens. Did you know that the metal in your antiperspirant, the aluminum is classified as a metalloestrogen The metals in your teeth, Uh, if you have uh, silver fillings or amalgams, some of those metals like mercury are actually classified as metalloestrogens, where they stimulate and mimic estrogen in the body. So that's the first factor. And then, of course, a lot of things that you may be putting on your skin, several sunscreens and different uh, lotions and potions that we may be using have, you know, chemicals in them that can stimulate estrogen production. The second factor that influences all that aggressive estrogen that's stimulating in the body is if you are not methylating or metabolizing your estrogens properly. Estrogen is broken down through the liver, through phase one and phase two detoxification. And if that doesn't happen properly, because of a toxic liver, or you may have a genetic weakness that that prevents you from breaking that down properly, then yes, you may have more and more aggressive estrogens in your body. But the key is to understand what's at the root. Taking medication to stop your, your hormones or to block your hormones may not be the answer because we know that many of those chemicals are known carcinogens themselves. They're classified carcinogens by the World Health Organization and the American Cancer Society. So taking a a drug that may increase the risks of cancer may not be the best way to go. So let's look at the root of the problem and address that.
0: Okay, can you give me an example of the type of medication that you're talking about?
1: We'll call one out that most people are familiar with, tamoxifen, or any other aromatase inhibitors.
0: Okay, how about birth control?
1: Birth control can have a very detrimental impact on a woman's health. Studies have shown us that women in younger years who've been on birth control for five or more years have an increased breast cancer risk because of all the uh, synthetic hormones.
0: And of course, I think it's probably terribly obvious, but we're referring to the pill.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay. so before we terrify everybody, Dr. V, uh, can you shed a little light on how someone might actually deal with or apply the information that you've just shared?
1: Well, the first thing is to find a knowledgeable doctor or a cancer coach that understands this very issue of methylation. And there's a simple urine test that you can do to find out if you're methylating or breaking down your estrogens properly. Once you know if you are, if you're not, then you can take um, nutritional supplements that are, for example, concentrations of cruciferous vegetables which uh, are called DIM and I3C, and this actually helps to metabolize and methylate the aggressive estrogens and helps to break them down. Making sure that you're supporting your liver with specific herbs and supplements as well. Uh, Fermented non-GMO organic soy, there are specific products that are very, very clean and very helpful, will actually lower your circulating estrogens and help protect the estrogen receptor sites. So there's a lot of things that you can do for those those factors.
0: So I just want to clarify something because my people have heard me come down pretty hard on soy in the past. <laughs> okay. Okay. So can you can you make the distinction clear?
1: Absolutely. So let's let's talk about Fermented non-GMO soy. Now if we look at the Asian culture, they've been using clean fermented soy for thousands of years and Japanese and Chinese women have lower incidences of breast cancer than any other culture if they follow the traditional diet. Studies have shown us that with the proper fermentation process and the clean non-GMO organic soy can have very beneficial properties. One of the products that I like to use is called Halen, H-A-E-L-A-N. It's actually a fermented liquid soy that was um, formulated by doctors in China when they realized that their chemotherapy patients were were losing weight, were not digesting their foods well, and, and were not faring well at all through the therapy. So they took one of their staples and created a very, very concentrated liquid form of this that not only provides a lot of protein and nourishment and trace minerals and vitamins but also helps to remove the aggressive estrogens, help to heal the gut and to protect those estrogen receptor sites as well.
0: Okay. So a couple of things, the things that you've mentioned supplements, the DIM, the, is it I3C that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. Okay. Dolph
1: 3 Uh huh.
0: Okay, great. The cruciferous vegetables and the fermented non-GMO soy. And by the way, on the things that I've never heard of before, I will get that information from Dr. V and put them in the show notes so that when you go to this post, you can actually read more about those. But Dr. V, are you saying that those are recommended for people who are at risk of breast cancer, for people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer or for women in general actually
1: for people in general because men can have problems with too much estrogen because of all the xenoestrogens that they're exposed to so it can be used as a preventative but also as a healing factor
0: Okay, so I will provide the information and then people can continue with their own research there. So thank you for that. So I want to get into some of the behaviors and activities that we are involved in every day that we don't realize may be increasing our risk of various types of cancer, including breast cancer. And this, ladies and gentlemen, applies to you no matter what your gender is. So I'm going to rapid fire some some topics and I'd like you to weigh in. These are just things that I've read about and I don't know what is internet wisdom and what is true and what is fact. Okay, cell phones, electromagnetic radiation, EMF, do those increase our risk of cancer, Dr. V, from what you're observing and reading and researching?
1: Absolutely. There is no doubt about it and the research is there, the facts are there. A great resource for that is called the BioInitiativeReport.org. BioInitiativeReport.org. This is a group of independent scientists from all over the world who looked at 10 years of data, and unequivocally, they recognized that EMFs, not just from cell phones, but all our electrical appliances, cause DNA damage weaken our immune system, affect our hormones, cause us to be agitated, can cause headaches, can cause leukemia and various types of cancers, lower sperm count in men, denature the sperm in men, and the list goes on and on.
0: Okay, we live in 2015. What are we supposed to do about the fact that everything that basically plugs in is emitting EMF?
1: Well, the good news is there is technology out there now. There's patented, scientifically-based technology that I've been using for 10 years. Um, I don't know if you want me to use the name of the company or not, but basically it, it uses a type of sound wave technology that neutralizes the effects of the EMFs. And as a matter of fact, one of the issues that I found I had was I was very electrosensitive. It was affecting my sleep, it was affecting my health, it was affecting my thyroid, my melatonin production. Because when we put our cell phone to our head, there's a three-foot plume of radiation that surrounds us and it affects everything from the breast up. And for women who use their bra, as a cell phone carrier or for men who use their pocket as a cell phone carrier, there's been studies that have shown that it increases the rate of cancer in that very area. In fact, I have an article on my website that shows a woman who used used her bra as a cell phone carrier and she developed tumors in the shape of her cell phone
0: gosh. What I'm not trying to do is just stir people up with no facts to back this up. And at the same time, in a very limited amount of time, I want to share as much information as possible. So what I'd like to do, everyone listening and Dr. V is I'd like to link to as many of these resources as possible, Dr. V, so people can follow up when they go to onairwithella.com and they want to look into this stuff. So can we put a link to the technology that you said that you actually use? Can we put a link to that in the show notes? Absolutely. I'd
1: be happy happy to share that with you.
0: Wonderful. And we'll also link to the bioinitiative report.org that um, as well. And, And I have to say, just because we're, again, going rather rapid fire here, because my goal is to get out as much of this information as possible in a short amount of time. I do want to be very, very clear. We are not fear mongering here. It's just that everything Dr. V is referencing is something that I too have done my own research into, and that Dr. V has made a career out of researching and working with clients. And neither Dr. V nor I are diagnosing or treating anybody, but you're simply sharing your own research and as am I.
1: And and that's a very good point to make, Ella you know, we, we can't live in a bubble. We have to realistically look at the world that we live in now. Now, does that mean that it's impossible for us to be healthy because of all the EMFs and the toxic food and et cetera, et cetera? Absolutely not. That's why I do what I do, because if you you know, follow the seven essentials and you eat right, you reduce your stress, you balance your energy, et cetera, et cetera, then you can absolutely create vibrant health in this world.
0: Well, and I will have you articulate those seven essentials before we let you go today. And of course that is your signature program. And we will link to that as well in the show notes. Before we do that, let me share another piece of information that I had learned through my own research. And then I saw it on your website and this one really gets me, Dr. V.
1: Okay. <laughs> because,
0: because I have teeth like George Washington. So um, okay. <laughs> I could have bought a Ferrari by now that I would have spent on my mouth. I'm gonna actually read this. Your teeth are an intricate part of your body, not a separate entity that can be drilled, poked, and stuffed with toxic poisons without having an impact on the rest of your body. Amalgam fillings do not belong in your mouth because of the high mercury content. Mercury is one of the most toxic substances on the planet, and the effect in the immune system and overall health have been well documented. Yes, they have, and I've been reading about it for years. Talk to us about this connection because so many people are unaware of the connection between dental health, oral health, and the risk of breast cancer and other disease, Dr. B.
1: Well, as you mentioned, our teeth are connected to our body and every organ through our acupuncture meridian system, through our blood system, and through our lymph system. So what we put in our tooth will actually affect our health. Now, why is that? Well, amalgams, as you mentioned, are you know over 50% mercury, and mercury is the most toxic element on the planet, and yet we have it in our mouth. I often get comments and emails and, you know, Facebook comments. Well, once it's in the mouth and the amalgam, it's inert. It's not affecting anything. But then I kindly direct them to a video on YouTube called Smoking Teeth, which shows a dentist with a a tooth. He's just holding a a dead tooth and it's got an amalgam in it and he just rubs it and brushes it with a a rubber pencil and then a toothbrush and you can literally see the methyl mercury vapors being released from that tooth So every time you chew, every time you eat something hot, every time you brush your teeth, every time you go to the dentist and they clean your teeth, you are releasing high levels of mercury vapor. So it's very important for you to find a biological dentist that specializes in removing the amalgams properly and replacing them with substances that you are not allergic to. Now, the second part of it is the root canals. And this is what really gets people... Irritated or excited, or you know, just frustrated sometimes because they're never told this. But a root canal is a dead tooth. Now, what happens to somebody when they have a dead appendix or a dead gallbladder in their body? They get really, really sick because there's infection and sepsis that can set up. No matter how aseptic a dentist tries to make a root canal, there is always a pocket of anaerobic bacteria that sits at that root. And those bacteria are giving off serious toxins that can be suppressing to the immune system. There's many, many studies that have been done to show that relationship. So if it were me and if I had a root canal, I would have the root canal removed. But I'm not a dentist. So that's just my personal personal opinion on that.
0: I am not a dentist and I have had a root canal and when I started doing this research it was year it was three or four years ago. Um, frankly my response was anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I asked my dentist about it and I know she's a biological dentist and actually let's pause. And can you please explain what that means? It's not some kind of fruity dentist that goes to a different dental school, Dr. V, right? Can you explain what a biological dentist is?
1: Yeah, so biological dentist is someone who understands the connection of the teeth with the body and they're very well versed in uh, the effects of these chemicals on the body and they do their best to remove those toxic chemicals from your mouth in a very balanced way. There's a special procedure that must be followed in order for those amalgams to be removed so that they're not causing more damage to your body.
0: That's right. And removing the mercury is actually dangerous for the dentist.
1: It is, it is. the. You know, you should see the suits that some of these dentists wear because they, you know, they have to protect themselves. And when I did it way back in 1995, before it was really even heard of, my dentist used uh, oxygen mask on me and IV, uh, vitamin C drip. And so there's, there's a lot of precautions that have to be taken. And, and that's why... Don't just trust that they're biological dentists, that they're natural dentists, you know, they seem to be popping out everywhere, but make sure that they're certified, make sure that they answer your questions. Uh, I've got a list of uh, seven or 10 questions on one of my articles about dentistry that you must ask before you allow them to work in your mouth to make sure that they follow the right procedures
0: okay that's good stuff so we'll put your questions in the show notes and also I will put the listing of biological dentists the index where people can search by state and find their own I was going to a biological dentist before I'd ever heard that term I had no idea that that's what she was she was simply my dentist and the very first thing she did was got all of the mercury out of my mouth without making me panic <laughs> because I was I had no idea what the problem was and she told me later but I asked them more recently I asked them about the root canal that I had and then they, they basically said we are no longer allowed to comment on that. So, so wow. dentists are being threatened by the medical industry—not—not not in general, but certain representation within the medical dentistry. They are not allowed to comment on root canals being dangerous. They can lose their license.
1: It's it's very scary. Um, I know the American Dental Association has really. Um, given a lot of dentists a, a difficult time, The one of the original doctors who started this movement back in the 70s and 80s, Dr. Hal Huggins, I mean, he was ostracized and uh, I, I think he even served some jail time. He ended up just moving to Mexico and having a practice down there.
0: This is interesting. It's probably the most controversial show that I've ever done. Um, at, at the same time, if that, if there's someone out there that's an, is it an endodontist that actually performs root canals? Is that what it's called?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Okay, so I am willing to risk the ire of my endodontist listeners in order to just bring the question to everybody else so that they can ask it in their own lives. I'm not suggesting that if you've had a root canal, you're gonna die. By the way, I haven't fixed mine yet. It's not out, it's not removed removed. I haven't fixed it. I haven't gotten rid of it. And I am not suggesting that we're all going to drop dead. I am telling you though, that when I started learning this information, it sent me on a journey and one that I am in the process of. And that's all I hope to do with my listenership, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. And if I may comment about the root canal, statistically, it's been found that 98% of people who have cancer usually have one or more root canals in their mouth.
0: See, that's the part that gets me really angry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just (laughs) had to say that.
0: Well, and I'll tell you what I did. And guys, this is purely anecdotal. Okay, this is me, just Ella, just my story. When I started reading this and I started looking into the Weston A. Price research on this issue specifically, I went to a thermographer who, we're going to get into what that is, but somebody who took a heat map, basically, of my chest and everything above my my chest line, if you will. So, so my bra line and above. They did thermal imaging on me and it showed a hot spot in my mouth
1: very interesting
0: no question hands down big <laughs> red heat map hot spot right in my mouth where I had the root canal and oh Dr. Vio is so mad
1: <laughs> so you know what that means Ella you have to address it <laughs> yeah I
0: actually went and had um, I actually went and had an interim procedure where they saw that there was in fact live bacteria cleaned it out sealed it all back up again and so now I have to go back and see if there's still a hot spot there so, so all of that is to say that a, a thermography or infrared thermal imaging it doesn't lie it can't make up a hot spot you know no, uh, it
1: can't.
0: And, and so that was not a coincidence and so this is something I'm actually dealing with right now and it's a uh, long process
1: it is it is
0: why don't we tell people more about thermography because I found it fascinating and as I've already mentioned I've already done it and I'm going to do it again can you talk about it tell them what it is
1: Oh, I love thermography. I was introduced to thermography over 10 years ago, and it's it's fascinating science. And for those of you who have not heard about it before, There's over 800 peer-reviewed studies on thermography. It's been used around the world for over 25 years. There are many, many doctors, uh, more and more so in North America, that are are beginning to offer this service to their their patients. But thermography is basically, as you mentioned, it, it reads the heat, the infrared heat coming off your body. And what happens when there's inflammation in a particular area, then it's going to show up as red hot. The cooler areas are going to be blue and green. Now, these thermography scans are not read by the technician who takes the picture, but they're read by medical doctors who are trained as thermographists, much like a radiologist reads x-rays, a thermographist reads thermographic images, and they take many, many hours of training to do that. Now, for a woman and um, breast exams, thermography is priceless. Now, let me kind of say a little uh, caveat here, no matter what kind of diagnostic test you may use, nothing is 100% accurate. Many, many women that I've met have had, you know, false mammograms when in in fact they've had breast cancer. There is a small percentage, 3% of thermograms that do not pick up uh, the issue of, of breast cancer. Now, a thermogram cannot diagnose breast cancer, but what it can tell you is that there's physiological changes happening in your breast. When there's a tumor developing or when there is estrogen dominance, you're going to see some redness in that area. And you're also going to see something that we call angiogenesis or new blood flow that's going to feed a tumor.
0: Dr. V, can you tell people what it really is, though, like what the thermography experience is? Because most people have never even heard of it.
1: Oh it's it's wonderful. It's painless. There's no touching, there's no radiation, there's no compression. So basically, you walk into a room, you you disrobe, um, you may sit there for 5-10 minutes to allow the temperature to, you know, to regulate. Um, and then the technician takes a few pictures, a frontal view, side view, an oblique view, and you're done in 10-15 minutes. And within Uh, seven to ten days you'll receive a report from the you know from the medical doctor and they'll tell you if there's um, low risk, high risk. The beauty of thermography is that it can detect physiological changes when things are the size of a pinhead by the time things are seen on a mammogram, it's taken five to eight years for that to show up on a mammogram. So it gives you years of prevention and years of, of opportunity to be able to reverse anything that may be going on in your health.
0: Okay, so that was what drew me to it. First of all, I was actually looking up The infrared thermal imaging because of the stuff happening with my dental traumas and then I realized through my own research that this is actually a supplement or replacement to mammograms and so I went in and killed two birds with one stone and you will never ever hear me tell someone not to get a mammogram I will only tell you that personally I don't want to get radiated once a year and I've had a mammogram and I will have another one I'm just saying I'm not doing that every year so I went to thermography, again, me, sample pool of one, anecdotal story, (laughs) But, (laughs) but I went because I wanted that additional information and it's something that you can do every year and there's no radiation at all. And it was fascinating because they did what you said they did. They cooled me way down and then they just took pictures with a special camera and then I got to see the heat map.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it's beautiful to see because then you really have a direction to work with because it can also pick up changes in the thyroid and there's nothing more encouraging for a woman who has some really bad hot spots. Uh, in her breast tissue, whether she's, you know, she hasn't been diagnosed or if she's is on a healing journey. And then three or six months later, you take another picture and you see how things are cooling down and there's less inflammation. So it really encourages them to see the progress that they're making.
0: Yes. So everyone listening, let me be super, super clear. I would never dream of telling you what to do. And anyone who is, t- that is your takeaway, you are not listening. <laughs> so I need you to just ask the questions, guys, because I care about you and I care about your health and I care about mine. And so I just started asking questions and it led me into these territories that frankly, Dr. V, I'd never heard of before. So I think it's nice to just let people know that these options exist.
1: Absolutely, it's all about taking responsibility for your own health. There's so much information out there now that really it's a matter of of making an informed decision.
0: Okay. Well, I want to touch on one more thing that you taught me, and that is that there are many blood tests that can detect the development of cancer on a cellular level before they're detected with conventional tests, and I don't have any idea what those are. Can you talk to us about
1: that? (laughs) Yes, and this is something that should be announced on the 6 o'clock news. This is something that everybody should know about. And unfortunately, it's not very common, and it's not used by traditional medicine. But there's several blood tests that can detect cancer when it's the size of a pinhead. Just a few million cells instead of, you know, trillions of cells by the time it's, it's the size of a tumor that can be detected. One of the tests that I love is called Oncoblot, O-N-C-O-B-L-O-T, Oncoblot. Um, and I offer this on my website if you have any interest. But Oncoblot measures the presence of the ENOX2 protein that cancer cells produce. No other cells in the body, healthy cells, six cells, none of them, except cancer cells, produce this hormone called, this protein called ENOX2. So this test can determine if you can't have cancer and where you have cancer, what type of cancer that you have. In fact, it can determine 27 different types of cancer just from a simple blood test. Now think of the millions and millions of lives that could be saved if people knew five to ten years ahead of time that they were developing cancer. How would that change their lifestyle and and everything that they did with their, their life? Another test that is very popular is called the Cancer Profile. This measures the hormones that are given off by cancer cells, hormones such as HCG, which we think of as a you know pregnancy hormone, but cancer cells also secrete them. Measuring the PHI enzyme, PHI enzyme is, is, is present when there's fermentation or, or glycolysis from unhealthy cells, which we know that cancer cells don't breathe oxygen, they ferment sugar, and that's how they, they keep multiplying and growing.
0: Why have we never heard of that before?
1: Well, without getting into the long-drawn soapbox story about the, you know, big pharmaceutical industry, big pharma and the, you know, AMA and traditional medicine, you know, basically cancer is a multi-billion dollar industry period. And you know their job and their focus is to look at cancer as you know the the unknown that we have to you know something that we're at war with that we have to kill this cancer. And so they try to kill the cancer with you know chemotherapy, radiation and they pull the cancer out by by surgery. Now what they don't do is to look at the cause. What has allowed the cancer to develop in the body. What is out of balance? Because cancer cannot grow in a healthy body, period. It's that simple.
0: Okay, so what does somebody do when they're listening to this and they're just like, what the blazes <laughs> do I do? Where am I supposed to start?
1: Well, um, it would might be a good time to go through the seven essentials. I mean, those are, you know, a good way to get started.
0: Yeah, you really do. You map out in your seven essentials structure, you map out sort of where to start and, and you're not just talking about people who are diseased, is that right?
1: Correct, this is for creating and maintaining vibrant health. I mean, I follow the seven essentials every day or I try to as best as I can.
0: All right, why don't you touch on what they are and I wanna hit just a couple of highlights within them. I have a couple of more questions for you.
1: Very good. So let's start with essential number one. That's basic, that's foundational. Let food be your medicine. We know that Hippocrates stated that thousands of years ago, before he knew anything about nutrigenomics or epigenetics and how food affects our genes. Uh, And so looking at eating a balanced diet with 80% alkalinity and the rest can be whatever so try to really focus on alkalinity and try to introduce more and more raw foods into your diet.
0: Can you tell people in one sentence what you mean by alkalinity?
1: Your body is by nature alkaline your blood pH is 7.34 therefore you want to maintain that alkalinity in your body. Alkalinity is the opposite of acidity and acidity is what creates inflammation and disease and cancer thrives in an acidic environment.
0: Okay. And it was too much to ask you to do that in one sentence. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> that was just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I think that was three sentences.
0: <laughs> that was utterly ridiculous of me. Retracted. What types of foods do you encourage people to eat specifically? I did hear you reference cruciferous vegetables. What else would be on your top five list?
1: Oh, there's so many great things. So cruciferous vegetables, definitely at the top healthy oils that are high in omega-3s, such as uh, fish oils, flax oil, olive oil, walnut oil, uh, something as simple as matcha green tea. Now, the reason I mentioned matcha green tea is because it has over a 100 times more of that antioxidant, the EGCG, that literally kills cancer cells, boosts your immune system, acts as a free radical scavenger, I mean, the list goes on. Um, So matcha green tea is very important. Curcumin is another one of those. uh, Hundreds and hundreds of studies published that show the effect of curcumin on the body in reducing inflammation, turning on your healthy genes, killing cancer cells. And then something as simple as baking soda. Now, we just talked a minute ago about alkalinity, well, we know that baking soda is very alkaline, so if you just take a teaspoon of baking soda and and squirt some real lemon juice in there and have a few glasses of those away from food because it's very alkaline and your stomach is acid, then drinking something alkaline like that on occasion can, can certainly help bring up the alkalinity in your body. And then, of course, there's lots of greens like kale and spinach and raw nuts, garlic, mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. I mean, the list goes on.
0: You mentioned something earlier, and that is that processed sugar feeds cancer cells.
1: Yes, cancer cells have many more sugar insulin receptor sites than healthy cells. And the first thing that they feed off of is sugar. And so number one food to avoid when you're if you want to prevent cancer or if you're on a healing journey with cancer is to avoid sugar at all cost.
0: Dr. V some of the other essentials that you have listed in your program are to reduce your toxic exposure, to balance your energy, to heal your emotional wounds and as we mentioned to embrace biological dentistry you also have repair your body with therapeutic plants. Can you touch on that? It's not something we've talked about much on the show.
1: Okay. So there are things as simple as chaga medicinal mushroom. This has been in studies shown to reduce cancer cells, to boost your immune system. Something as simple as curcumin, again, in therapeutic doses can kill cancer cells. CBD, cannabinoid oil from uh, medical marijuana, a or, or real hemp, which helps to um, same thing, you know, boost the immune system, kill cancer cells, something as simple as broccoli sprouts. Now in therapeutic doses, the content of the broccoli sprout has something called sulforaphane in it. And that's been proven in over 200 studies to, again, kill cancer cells and boost the immune system. Garlic, spirulina, just vitamin D itself. Did you know that if you make sure that your vitamin D levels are optimal between 80 and 100 NGs per ml, that you can reduce your breast cancer risk by up to 83%?
0: Okay, pause. What What do you mean MGs per ml? Talk to us, give us the simple version there.
1: Okay, so if you have a blood test done, and you're checking your vitamin D3 levels, there's going to be a normal range. 80 to 100 is optimal. Just look for those numbers. I've seen time and time again, women who are on a um, breast cancer journey, their numbers are in the teens. And so it's very important to have your numbers between 80 and 100 optimally.
0: Wow, and what's really important to point out there is if you just get a standard test from your standard doctor, they might say, oh, you're, you're fine, you're right in range. Their range is different than this range, isn't it? And that's
1: so true, that's so true. And, and just last week, I was working with a woman who had normal traditional cancer markers that were negative, yet, She did one of the tests that I recommended that detected cancer, and that came out positive. And her thermography was also very red hot. So had she just listened to the traditional doctor, she would have gone on her merry way. And five years later, guess what? She would have had cancer in more than one place or, you know, a very higher level of it in her breast tissue.
0: Oh, my goodness okay and essential number seven we've touched on already that's adopt very early detection with thermography and cancer profiles and again i just want to be clear that all of the detail behind this information will be posted on onairwithella.com you can just search dr v and it will pull up all of these resources but dr v there are a couple things that i just hear floating around that i'd like your take on please and one of them is bra wearing so i told you some of this stuff would be female specific i hope this one is Talk to me about your opinion on 20 hour a day bra wearing.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's, it's non-negotiable. I mean, there are studies that have shown us, you know, the cultures that wear the tight underwire bras versus the women who, you know, who in, culturally don't traditionally wear bras. There is a much lower incidence of breast cancer. And why is that? When you're wearing a tight bra around your breast. It's reducing the lymphatic flow that pulls the toxins away from the breast tissue. It affects the blood flow. It's an irritant. Uh, it's metal, therefore it can attract more EF- EMFs to that area. So try to find bras that don't have the metals in them. And if you do want to wear those, you know, just wear them if, you know minimal hours per day. And, and as soon as you get home, take them off and don't sleep in your bras.
0: What do you say to the women who they're, they've been fascinated up until this point? They're like, girl, I'm not taking my bra off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find some, you know, more and more you can find bras that are made without the underwire support. And they're, you know, they're very supportive. I mean, I wear a sports bra most of the time anyway.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that everyone out there is just dying to hear about my bra habits. But I will say <laughs> that I blew this off when I heard it 10 years ago and then when I started having some of these experiences that I've already mentioned, I started taking this whole picture a little bit more seriously and more holistically, meaning I started looking at everything, and I realized that while culturally, like, it's not acceptable because I have a corporate job and because I have other responsibilities, it's not acceptable for me to be free free booming everywhere I go, like, I'll just be honest with you, and at the same time, one thing that I realized is I don't need to wear a bra nearly as much as I thought I did, so, so, exactly. So you're welcome. It's been a very lovely change in my life. So let's make that acceptable, ladies. Let's make let's make less bra wearing socially acceptable. I'm down. I'm down. It's freedom. It's freedom. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. This has been very very informative and I've got a lot of homework to do because I want to create a robust picture in the show notes so that people who we've just wet their appetite for information can go and learn more. But while I do that, can you also tell people, Dr. V, where to find you?
1: Yes. My website is breastcancerconqueror, C-O-N-Q-U-E-R-O-R.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and everything else.
0: Dr. V, do you mind my asking how old you are? I don't even need to know your age. Just what bracket are you in?
1: I'm going to be 60. How about that?
0: The reason I'm asking you that incredibly rude question that you're probably like, I can't believe she just <laughs> asked her that. Well, I'm asking you that specifically because I've been on your website, of course, and I watched your video that you have there, and you are. Absolutely glowing with health. Aww, like, absolutely glowing. And you can tell that her video, guys, is not all tr- dressed up and it's not. I, I don't think you spent 10,000 bucks on lighting. I think you just put a nice, simple video up of yourself. No fancy stuff. And this woman is at the absolute picture of health. So I asked you that on purpose so that people would understand that you have the experience behind you, that you thought you were doing everything right, and then it turned out somewhere later in your life you were diagnosed with this disease, and now this disease is so scary to so many of us, and here you are just positively glowing.
1: Well, thank you. That's that's a real a real nice thing for you to say coming from you, Ella.
0: Well, now you can't be mad at me for asking you to share your age.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: and uh, you know what? Be proud. And we had Tosca Reno on the show and she's 56. And I was like, I would wear a t-shirt that said, this is what 56 looks like.
1: Yeah, and I am. I am very proud. You know, I mean, I still, I'm very active. I run up and down these mountains here, and I play tennis, and you know, I feel great. I really do.
0: Well, it shows. And Dr. V, before I let you go, can you please tell us one habit or practice that you would like us all to try for one week?
1: I would suggest that you incorporate drinking matcha green tea every day. If you're drinking coffee you know, maybe drink one less cup of coffee and try the matcha tea with a few little stevia drops in it. It's delicious and it's very, very high in antioxidants and it's got great properties.
0: Wonderful, and what's one resource that you would like to draw to our attention?
1: A friend of mine named Ty Bollinger has created an amazing movement called The Truth About Cancer. He has interviewed many, many doctors, very similar to myself, as well as patients who have been able to reverse cancer and heal cancer naturally. He's, um, he's on a quest. You know, he wants to educate people about the truth when it comes to cancer. And you could find his information. Just Google the truth about cancer. And there's a whole series of videos that you can watch for free. So he's, he's really on a global quest. He's done, he's done an amazing job.
0: All right, then it will be our pleasure to share his information with everybody. Well, Dr. V, I wanna thank you for your time and I wanna remind my beloved listeners that at the end of the day, the responsibility is each of ours, right? Just as it is to figure out what diet works best for you, to figure out what exercise program works best for you. It is your responsibility to look into your own health and draw your own conclusions. And if you come to the conclusion that this is bunk, then that is fine. What I want you to do though is ask the question. That's all I want to inspire in you because I've done so myself and it's opened up doors that I did not even know existed. Dr. V, thank you so much for your time today.
1: You're welcome, Ella. And I just really want to applaud you and commend you for the amazing job that you've done and being proactive, not only with yourself, but really, you know, teaching your audience about about the big picture of things.
0: Thank you, Dr. V. Well,
1: thank you. Bye now. Bye.